Hello, everyone. Welcome to the goddamn podcast. Finally. Jesus. I was just trying to set up this Zoom recorder. I almost called it my damn Zoom recorder, but I won't disrespect it like that because I love it. I love it. Like I love my own family. It's just, it was hard because I, look, I have it set up um, recently for my guitar playing. Guys, you know, I'm into the guitar playing. So then when I tried to set it back up for this thing, it's just, I don't know if you're like me. And if you are, I pity you. But I have to relearn every single thing I do every single time. It's like, oh, yeah, I've only used this recorder like 300 times. How would I possibly know how to set it up again? Idiot. Jesus. Anyway, welcome. Welcome. Let's not start on such a negative note. Let's not be a negative ninny, everybody. Let's be happy. Let's be a, a happy, happy that our babies have gone to bed because, man, oh, man, my kid, my little Sam, he was just uh, a bit of a nightmare right now. And uh, let me tell you something. Normally, I don't say that. Because he's usually pretty friggin' good. My wife said to me today, uh, when he was throwing his 900th fit of this afternoon, um, are you sure you don't want to put him in daycare? And I said, I tell you what, I'd put this kid in daycare. Absolutely. If this was my kid on a day-to-day basis, I would 100% put him in daycare because I wouldn't know what to do. Like, he's flopping around the floor. He's angry. He wants, I want to go in the hallway. He didn't, he doesn't speak that well. It's just hallway, hallway is what he says over and over again. So you take him out in the hallway for a little while and he runs around screaming and yelling. But then you have to come back. You can't live in the hallway, Sam. And you bring him back and he's like, no, fuck you. Hallway, hallway. Just throwing himself on the floor. Like, and then you're afraid he's going to hit his head on the floor, throwing his tantrum. And he doesn't normally do these things. But he's overstimulated. Here's the thing. Guys, everybody says, you know, go out there, uh, you know, give your kid an education. Keep them them stimulated. Keep it. But I'll tell you what. You can do too much. You You can whip their little brains into a frenzy. And they're not developed that well. The old brains of a toddler. So when they start going ape shit, they can't go on ape shit. So today we took them to the Ontario Science Center. Now, um, you know, do that. I'm going to turn up my volume here on my headphones just a little bit so I can hear myself the way you guys hear me, which is just the lovely nasal tones of a leprechaun. So we took them to the Ontario Science Center. For those of you in the Toronto area, take people especially children, to the Ontario Science Center. It was, it's great. They've got so much to do for the kids. And um, Sam went there, and friends of ours, they had their kid, and another group of friends of ours had their kid. They were visiting from Ottawa, and uh, everybody loved it. Sam ran around like a maniac. He was putting balls on ramps, you know, and they were showing, like, how, like, I, I don't know, centrifugal motion? I, I, don't, I don't know what. Gravity? Who knows? I'm no scientist. I need to go to this damn place more. And uh, Sam just saw the musical instruments, and then that was it. So he, he played like a xylophone and a drum for most of the hour and 15 minutes we were there, which is kind of annoying 
because A, he has his own xylophone and drum at home. And when we go to the park that is next door to us, they have xylophones and drums and he plays those things. So we paid, you know, 40 bucks or whatever it was to go in there for him to do the exact same fucking thing he does everywhere. But hey, whatever floats his boat, you're just trying to keep him entertained. But here's the problem. He was too entertained. Couldn't wind him down. I mean, he, he went and he took his nap. That's okay. But then when he got up, it's just he was different, you know? He's got this, you know, manic look in his eye. Like, oh, man, I'm going to fuck up your day. You guys, do you think you're going to have a peaceful child? No. Going around making me learn stuff, see stuff. Ha <laughs> ha. It's, it's, it's like cocaine for them when they learn shit. Just running around like a goddamn heroin addict. But he's in bed now. At least I think. I left. I just fucking left. I'm like, that's it. You know, just, uh, you deal with it. I said to my wife. I didn't actually say that. It was time for the, the breastfeeding followed by sleeping. That's the final stage in our 19-step process to put this little Tasmanian devil to bed. So, obviously, I'm no help in that regard. So I uh, I just skedaddle, go down to the parking garage, sit myself in the Toyota Prius recording studio, and I go to you people to vent. Oh, my goodness gracious. Let me tell you something about the beer I'm about to have. It is going to be the sweetest tasting beer, you know, this side of a, a beer after a hockey game. Beer after a hockey game, if you haven't done that. Woo! Holy shit. You can, you can drink anything. You can drink a Coors Light after a hockey game and think it's delicious. And it is not. It is. It is not. But yeah, you have a, you have a beer after a fucking hockey game. My goodness. And it's not, it's not thirst quenching, really. You know, it may dehydrate you a little bit. Terrible for your health, but so satisfying. So this is going to come a close second, I think. Having a kid just act like a lunatic for two solid hours and then finally go to bed. I think that it's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a barking squirrel. Barking squirrel, man. I think it's an Ontario craft beer. So delicious. A hoppy, guys, a hoppy beer. So don't go drinking that barking squirrel and go, hey, what, what, Mark, what the fuck, man? This is so bitter. I like the hops. My dad has gotten me into the hops because what happens, ladies and germs, if you don't know, your tongue gets old. It gets old as shit. Like the rest of you, it falls apart. And all your taste buds, they just, they wear off. You know, like the treads of a BMX bike when you're 13 years old. And eventually, the tires go bald, all right? And you need extra traction. I, I have lost this analogy. It's completely off the rails. But you need, you need something that tastes more, what's the word? Flavorful. That's the word I'm looking for. Because, you know, just bland beers, they can't cut it anymore. It's like, it's like did you ever see old people with Tabasco sauce? They will just fucking go nuts on that. And there's a reason. They can't taste anything. Your taste buds wear out. Just like everything else. Like your asshole. It all wears out. So you just, you go with the the hoppy beers, man. 
And then you get into that, and then you start, you can't go back to the plain old lagers. I mean, sure, you can always drink it, because sometimes you just need to get drunk. But uh, when you're looking for some nice taste, you know, you go with the hoppy beers. The IPAs. What does that stand for? India Pale Ales. That's what it is. You go for those fuckers. And um, Barking Squirrel's a good one, at at least to me. You know, I like a Sam Adams. I'll tell you what. Named after my own child. The beer. Nice of the beer company to do that. Sam Adams is nice beer. If I'm in a beer store or the United States, uh, I will um, get a Sam Adams over almost anything. But, you know, it's always nice to try the, the different types of IPAs around. People, people make a lot of craft beer in Ontario. In case uh, my listeners in Japan are unaware, uh, Ontario's a big drinking province. Well, okay, Canada. All the provinces in Canada are big drinking provinces. We're a big drinking country. And we like our beer strong. And, uh, and we're big fans of the hop over here. You'll see lots of IPAs. So that's my recommendation for you folks out there. You uh, you want a nice beer? Why don't you try Barking Squirrel? Cool name? That's the thing about the IPAs. They come up with all those crazy names. Like there was, what was one was called, uh, what was it? Monkeys? Uh, Psycho Monkeys or something shit like that? That was too sharp for me. Jesus Christ, that was like licking a battery. It was fucking acidy. Just, woo! Uh, what was that one called? Anyway, something something monkeys, like psychedelic monkeys. I don't know what it is. But they have all these crazy names all the time for the IPAs. It's a big, it's fun. Guys, who said you can't have fun when you're 40? I'll be 40 in less than a month. Jesus H. Christ. And it's supposed to be spring right now. What is it? What What's the date? The 25th, March 25th, and it was minus four today. God damn it. Climate change, guys. It's Or maybe it's just Canada. I don't know. It's freezing here. It's supposed to be spring. I'm supposed to be. Maybe that's why the kid is going bananas. You know? Because he's going, he's going, got the cabin fever. He's, uh, he's got the fever. And the only remedy is more cowbell. Great sketch. Oh, speaking of Saturday Night Live, I'm I'm really interested in Bill Hader's new show. It's uh, I don't even know what it's called, but he plays a hitman. So he comes back from the war, and he basically gets a job as a hitman. I I think I'm just saying what I heard, and um, but he has to do a hit in Los Angeles or something, and he he gets an the acting bug, and he wants to transition from hitman into acting and apparently it's a very dark comedy so i'm i'm looking forward to that i might uh might watch that one bill Hader is uh, if you don't know uh, the guy who did stefan you know on uh, saturday night live but bill Hader is uh he's a tour de force man he's a he's a uh, savagely funny individual and um a guy i like a lot mr john mulaney taking a big shine to john mulaney lately and uh, if you think his comedy is like, uh, you know, it's like I, I hear some people say think it's like soft or run of the mill or kind of bland. They're not listening. Listen to that. That is a sharp 
biting, satirical, funny man. Like he is, uh, he's funny and he's smart. He's surgical, man. You listen to his routines. There's not a wasted breath, just surgery. Just, I, I could learn a lot from that guy, even though he's younger than me. I, it pains me to admit it, but I could trim some fat, man. I could trim some fat on the old stand-up comedy. So I'm working on that. Working on trimming the fat. But anyway, whoozles. Um, Mr. John Mulaney, he used to write uh, the character of Stefan with Bill Hader. And that's why, in case if, you're, if you've ever watched it and you see the character of Stefan cracking up laughing while he's doing the weekend update, what it is is that they had a running gag. So basically, they had a script that Bill Hader would be reading from the cue cards that they had both agreed upon before they did the show. But then John Mulaney would end up changing some of the punchlines to make them more obscene, ridiculous, offensive, and Bill Hader would be part of the game was he would be forced to say this thing that John Mulaney had written down, and it became so funny. Uh, go go onto YouTube's man and watch uh, Bill Hader do Stefan, and you will see what I'm talking about. If you don't already know, and probably, probably you do. And speaking of, speaking guys of the uh, trimming the fat on the old comedy, sometimes sometimes you have to reevaluate. You know, you have to take stock. You have to take a hard look at yourself. Now, just for laughs, it is the uh, big comedy festival in Canada. Most of the world uh, of comedy is is very aware of the Just for Laughs festival. It is called the largest comedy festival in the world. I don't know if that's true anymore, but it certainly was at one point. And um, a lot of people have made made their careers back in the day. Not so much now. Not so much. But back in the day, you do you did something that just for laughs. You often got a TV show out of it. You know, it was a big launching pad for a lot of people, especially the Americans. But I digress. The um, Just for Laughs Festival did not want to see me this year. They don't usually want to see me. And you know what, guys? What it is is that they have standard bookers uh not well not standard bookers that's the wrong word what am i looking for they have like one generally booker and uh she's nice uh, but she knows me so what a lot of what happens in life a lot is that um when people get to know you they think that um you don't evolve you don't change so if they didn't think what you're doing, let's say 10 years ago, was what the festival needed. They think you're still doing that type of stuff. And uh, why bother checking in on you? You're old news. They like new. They like new. They like exciting. You can't blame them. Everyone loves new and exciting. Ask all the people who cheat on their spouses. Everyone loves something new and exciting. Who doesn't like a new shiny pair of boobs? Am I right? Hashtag me too. So, I get it. I get it. I'm not a spring chicken. I'll be 40 years old in less than a month. And I also get that I am in a demographic that nobody wants to hear from. I am a white, male, middle class, privileged, no ethnicity to speak of, not not even gay. 
Oh, man. Not even gay. Who wants to hear this guy? Are you bi? You at least, you're at least bi. No, straight. Oh. Oh, boo. And don't get me wrong. I know. We had a good run. All right? The, the single or the straight white males had a great run. And they're still running everything. I am aware of that. It's just, I didn't get in. You know what I mean? Like, you can go ahead and say it all day long. That there's pay inequality, power dynamics. Um, white guys have been running the show for way too long. But not me. I didn't get to do it. Why couldn't you have held off on this equality movement just a little while longer? Just till old Benny gets his foot in the door. Because I tell you what, the white guys who have been anointed, the ones who are already in, the people whose names we know, they are still treated like kinks. They are still the top of the heap. But it's just white guys can no longer climb this mountain. That, that's, that's what I'm saying right now. And fair enough. Let's create diversity. Let's, uh, let's, let's do the equality thing. Let's represent the world properly. Could you just not have let me in the club first? Guys, why? Why not me? Why couldn't I have joined the ranks of the overpaid, privileged white guy before you went and fixed the whole fucking thing? So anyway, I know. I know I'm not what we're looking for this year or any other year. But then I started thinking about it a little more. That's why I'm saying take some stock. Because I'm bitching about it, you know, to other guys at the comedy club. And, of course, they're also white males. Because no matter how you want to slice it, there's still way more white males doing stand-up comedy. It shouldn't be that way. But that's it. You go to a comedy club and, like, 90% of the people are just, like, white guys. And uh, often straight white guys. So I'm sitting around. Plus, you know, you know those people... They share your exact situation that they're not going to the festival either. And, um, you know, and then you start kicking around the idea that, uh, you know, you don't fit in any demographics that anybody wants. And But one of the guys I'm talking to about it is um, just a shithead. You know, he's just a terrible comedian and a terrible person. And uh, that's when I started to go... I don't like agreeing with this person. And um, maybe, just maybe, I am uh, looking at this the wrong way. You know? Maybe they don't want me, not because of the equality issue and the fact that uh, they're, they're pushing aside, you know, the, the white dudes because they're just sick of them. Maybe it's not that at all. Maybe... You just really aren't bringing something to the table that they care about. I'm not saying I'm bad, okay? I wouldn't say that. Guys, Because look, if you think you're bad, then you shouldn't do it, right? It's okay to be bad for a while, to be bad at first. But if you think you're bad and you're 15 years in like myself, almost 16, then uh, maybe it's time to call it a day. So I don't think I'm the world's shittiest comic. I do think I have the ability to go out on stage and make people laugh 
for a, a determined period of time. Hey, you need a seven-minute set? I got that shit. You need a clean set? I got that. Uh, you need me to do an hour? All right. I can do these things. So I, I don't hesitate thinking I could perform at the festival. But, you know, if they don't want you there, maybe, and you do want to play it, maybe you got to start looking at what you can do to woo them, to court them. If you want that, if you don't want it, you know, more power to you. So I go back and forth on this a little bit in the old brain. And then I go up and I have not a great set because I'm thinking about this shit. And then I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. And then I'm bullet, right? Like they call bullet the guy who goes first. And uh, at this particular show, they threw me on the show because I called asking for a spot, you know, just to go down and do uh, work out some new material at the comedy club there. And they were like, oh, we're doing a Just for Laughs showcase, uh, you know, this week. So we only have guys warming up for their showcase sets. And I'm like, okay, so number one, you just told me I'm not getting a showcase set for the Just for Last festival. And number two, now I can't even do a regular set because all the people who get the privilege of auditioning for the festival get to do other sets warming up. No, go fuck yourself. I didn't say that, but I w- my tone was one of anger. And uh, the guy who, who runs the club, he knows me well, and he was like, ah, fuck, man. Yeah, just come on down. Just do a regular set. And... So uh, not on the showcase, but just on the warm-up to the showcase. So, uh, of course, since they threw me on, they just put me on first. And um, it was just like, that's the hard part, all right? Well, it's not the only hard part, but that's the hard part about comedy is that it's subjective. Okay, so here I am doing this set, like thinking to myself, man, they should, they should be watching me. And I should be going to this festival. And then you go up and you do a set and you're like, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe they shouldn't be watching me. Because that that set wasn't great. But that's how comedy goes. It doesn't matter who you are or what you're doing. Some sets are just okay. You know? Some sets are bad. That one was okay. But some are bad and some are great. That's just a fucking... That's part of it. Even if you're quite good at comedy that's just that's just how it goes man but still it messes with your head right and then i'm talking to another fellow who is uh far more established and he, he goes to the festival every few years and he says hey you know i feel i feel a role for them they they have a specific show that they like me to do and uh and i do that probably every three years he said but yeah you know it's no big deal other than that and um, he said, well, they certainly used to never invite me. And uh, then all of a sudden they did. And this guy's been doing comedy longer than me. So I'm like, well, why did they start inviting you? Because I sold tickets, man. He started his own comedy show. So he would do a theater show every year. And uh, he would promo himself around his community. And he would, uh, he would always do, he's Italian. All right. I don't, know, I don't know why I was beating around the bush there. He's Italian. And he would do a show where himself and other Italian comedians would entertain a primarily Italian audience. And uh, he loves it. He does it every year. He sells out theaters every year. Does a, and He said, and when that started happening, 
they started calling him for their Italian shows at Just for Laughs. Because sometimes they'll do an Italian-themed show. And so when they have one of those, they give him a shout. And he said, it's because I sell tickets. And they know they can bank a little bit on my name. And that's when they started inviting me. I'm like, that's it. That's it right there. You know? Sometimes when you're hot and new and fresh, or you, or you do the right thing at the right time, or you're the type of comedian they're looking for, sure, maybe you get shots to go. Look, and I'm going to say this, myself included, I went to the Just for Last Festival in my first year of comedy. I went to the homegrown competition. All right? It, uh, it's, uh, where, it's exactly what it sounds like. You're, they, they take Canadian comedians who are up and coming, and they call them homegrown, and uh, then they have a contest to see who finishes first. I did not. And uh, I had food poisoning, which was nice. But uh, no excuses, you know, like the hockey players. Even though I just totally gave myself an excuse, no excuses out there. You know, the other team played really well, and, uh, you know, hats off to them. They, they just wanted a little, uh, little more than we did, and, uh, you know, I didn't, didn't win. Didn't win the Just for Laughs homegrown competition. But I, I pulled up my bootstraps, and I, I got some management. Ended up getting myself to L.A. for, you know, just working hard. And, yeah, not much has happened in the next 14 years, but, you know, I'm not dead yet. But my point is, when I was hot and new and fresh, they asked me to come, too. But now I'm not hot, new, fresh. I'm no Subway sandwich bread. So, uh, now you need a new angle, you know? And if you're not part of what they're looking for, then what you must do is convince them that you would be a benefit to them. So that's what that's what you got to do. How do you do that, Mark? I have no idea. Guys, I'm just sitting in my car talking to nobody. You think I have an idea about anything? I don't have one fucking idea. But I'm sure it'll come to me. Now I'm going to go back to my list. That's right, guys. I am still doing lists for this podcast because you know what? You deserve it, folks. You deserve it. I just, Look at that. I just turned on my phone. I don't know if you guys can hear it in the old headphones you're listening to, but I went beep, 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 like you're getting a text message. You know how sometimes electronics flicker when you're getting a text? So every time I turn on my phone, it flickers. So you're saying, Mark, don't turn on your phone. And I say to you, hey, how am I going to look at the list to give you a brilliant podcast? What's this one called? Oh, yeah. Oof, acupuncture. I don't even know why I need to open up my phone for that. My hands and feet are killing me. I did my second uh, session of acupuncture. And then the first time, I don't know if I told you guys that I felt nothing, but I felt nothing. You know, the guy just, I was like, wow, what a, this is so easy. You can't even feel these needles. Maybe he was just taking it easy on me the first time, right? Or, or uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he slowly builds up your tolerance. Or maybe he was just heavy-handed today. But he stuck those needles in. The, uh, the Korean supermodel who does it. He's just, he looks like a K-pop star. He just, today, I was his only client, so I actually met him at the door of the office. And he was wearing, like, his coat and his street clothes and stuff and, and he just looks like he, he looks like he fucking stepped off some kind of runway some kind of acupuncture he should be on billboards 
saying, hey, have acupuncture. And then people be like, ooh, I could get acupuncture from a Korean model. He seems lovely. Wearing this cool coat, these awesome shoes. Like, are you sure you're not a Korean pop star who is just doing this on the side? And today, like, the thing is, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm assuming it's supposed to hurt because it hurts. Hurts my hands. It didn't hurt, like, so much the needles. But when he took them out, like, my like my hands hurt where he had them in, my, my ankles and my shins, because apparently that's what affects the kidneys. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe he stuck them in further. He's like, look, last time we, we took it easy on him. And, and like, all I know is if, he, if it keeps getting more painful as time goes by, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm going to keep going. Anything to fix the goddamn kidneys. You know, if, this, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I got a weird bone disorder. Let's not get into it. Let's just say it's because my kidneys don't work and now I'm getting acupuncture because the doctors can't do a goddamn thing. Although I was talking to my friend Paul. Uh, Paul is an internal medicine doctor there in Kingston. When I was in Kingston doing shows at the Absolute Comedy, um, I stopped by to see my friend and he was like, you gotta go to Newfoundland, man. He said, "There's if what you have is genetic, Newfoundland has a pile of genetic disorders that nobody else has. So this might be actually familiar to the geneticists in Newfoundland. So to the doctors up here in, in Toronto, it could be a puzzle. But down there, they might be like, oh, yeah, your bone condition is this, this, and this. We know exactly what it is because a bunch of people down here have it because it's a very closed-off um, genetic pool because, you know, it's an island. And before planes and shit, you know, and ferries that would cart your your ass across to the mainland of Canada, there were not a lot of people left. So the population, they came over in what, 14, was it 1492? And, uh, you know, they just probably all had sex with each other. So everybody back home is probably related distantly, hopefully for your sake. And as some of you know, especially if you've heard my jokes on stage that, uh, the geneticist up here, it's his theory, well, at least the geneticist's assistant, it's his theory that uh, there's some kind of relation in my family that gave me this thing. But then when he did his test, he didn't find fucking anything, so you shut up with your incest, all right? We've pro- you've proven nothing. Sit down, accuse me of incest. So um, the genetic doctors in Newfoundland, my buddy was saying, they may have a much better idea of what's going on. You know, and maybe I don't have incest rickets at all. I could have something else entirely. And they might be able to help me out. So uh, I'm trying, I'm going to, uh, to my family doctor, and I'm going to get a, uh, a referral to go. I tell you what, see, folks, that is what you don't want to do, is underestimate anybody. You think to yourself, oh, you live in Toronto one of the most advanced, populous cities in the world. Obviously, the best of the best is here. The competition's fierce. You know, the doctors here, if they don't know it, nobody knows it. Not true. Not true. Very capable people in many parts of the world. And in fact, maybe in your case, Mark, more capable to tell you what's wrong with you and to help you out. You can't be just elitist you know you can't just think 
that the best are in the areas you expect them. And that, you know, small town Newfoundland, ah, what are those, what are those country bumpkins got to say? Nothing. You shut up, you country bumpkin. How about no? How about the country bumpkin is actually a genius? Well, at least somebody who is more than capable of outperforming your Toronto doctors by pointing out some shit that they don't know. And I tell you what, this leads me into um, another thing. Where me and me and the wife we watched, oh Christ, what's it called? The the Maharishi. I the what wild wild country wild country. Oh, thank God, I got it. I think it's called Wild Country. It's on Netflix, and um, it's fascinating. It's about some Indian guru. Um, I don't know what his name is. Ocho, something like that, and um, or the Bhagwan was his original name. He changed it to Osho later. Long story. Just watch the thing, and it's a six-part episode. Uh, six part, six episodes in uh, in the thing, and I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but it's just fucking fascinating. Basically, what happens is an Indian guru gets a pile of eh, pretty much white people. Pretty much rich white people to follow them around. And uh, over in India, things are going well. They're cooking. They want to do a little bit better. They want to expand. They want to create an entire city. So uh, they go to some small town in Iowa, I think, where there's like 40 people and just huge amounts of farmland. And they set up there and fucking shit hits the fan. And it's weird, man. Twists and turns. You know, it's somebody described in a tweet that this is a fascinating insight into human behavior and it is on all sides you know the government the police the locals the indian gurus the people who follow that type of thing it is fucking fascinating so uh that there there you go what did i give i gave two reviews watch the bill Hader show which i haven't even seen yet and then uh watch this wild wild country or whatever it's called really uh Really fascinating. It is, uh, the, but the point, the reason I, I remembered that is that talking about not underestimating people is that's the thing is that these, these people that who followed the Indian guru, they were usually very well off. They felt enlightened, as you might expect. You know, picture rich Hollywood hippies. You know, that's, that's the type of people who were uh, following them around, and they basically wanted a life of free sex and uh, um, lots of fun. But like they, they also they did a lot of good things. They wanted a self-sustaining community, and they, I believe, they were vegetarian. They were uh, um, good to the environment. They wanted, they wanted basically peace on earth. That's a pretty good fucking goal, you know. And they, um, and they worked really hard. They built their own goddamn. It's, it's so amazing what they built. Like, I'm like, how do you guys know how to do all that? And they had engineers and lawyers and doctors and fucking everybody. And, uh, they were all like working together to try to have a better type of life. They were just sick of the rat race, you know, sick of the bullshit. And I get that man. So like you can really, the, the, the guys who did the documentary, uh, they're famous independent filmmakers, actually these brothers and, uh, I forget their names, but, um, They've done a bunch of indie films that people like. One of them was on the Mindy Project for a while. And uh, 
Anyway, those guys, they did a really good job of telling the story, I think, fairly to all sides. And the point of the Hick thing is that these guys, these Hollywood elite type people who thought they were more evolved than everybody else and they could create a better society, what comes with that is a little arrogance, as you might expect. And they just figured they would steamroll over these 40 you know, hicks in who were just farmers and what do they know? You guys, they kept calling them ignorant bigots and uh, just just spitting venom at these these townsfolk. And these townsfolk were a fucking uh, they were a handful. They brought it, man. You really you just don't ever think that human beings in any circumstance aren't capable because they will surprise the shit out of you. Humans are shockingly resourceful. And you think they don't understand. You think they won't be able to fight you in the courts. You think they won't be able to stand up to you. You are fucking wrong, man. And that was the thing about these 40 people. Like, you you know, depends on what, depends what you think of the thing. But a lot of them were so insightful and so crafty and so clever and you're like, you know what? Yeah, that's right, you guys. You you underestimated them. You shouldn't have done it. But anyway, there's way more to it than that. Fascinating. Watch the goddamn thing. But yeah, man, my hands are just, whoa, holding the microphone, killing me. You know, so I uh, I was telling my my old lady neighbor, we got this old Jewish lady across the hallway, uh, who insists that my wife is Jewish, will not drop it. Oh, what are you doing for Passover? Not Jewish, but uh, Easter. We're going to go to uh, my my brother-in-law's. We're going to go to Easter. Easter, you know, Jesus Christians, even though we don't really we don't really believe that either. But we at least adhere to the holidays. As far as I can see, they have the best holidays. You know, if you're going to give me free chocolate eggs and at Christmas time, just presents... I mean, give me those holidays. I'll take that shit. You know? None of the fasting. None of that bullshit. We, um, we like stuff. We like presents. And we like chocolate. So we're gonna, even though we don't believe a goddamn thing, we will definitely adhere to your holiday where Jesus gave a rabbit a pile of eggs to hide for everybody. I think that's the story. So this old lady, uh, she is a uh, herbalist. She deals in herbs. Her family's had a store for like 150 years, and she's been alive for every one of those years. She is literally 95, I think, and still kicking. Which, she is a great example of, maybe you should take some herbs. Maybe you should be a vegetarian like she is, because Jesus Christ, she's still kicking. I mean, batshit crazy. But living on her own, you know, running around, going to choir practice. And uh, she is in the grocery store asking me about what's going on. I tell her the acupuncture, I'm trying to do that. And she was like, oh, you should tell him if it's painful. You should definitely tell. You can't fucking tell her. I'm just trying to have a conversation with her. But it's always... She's always like, oh, that can't be right. Not everything's wrong, old lady. But I, I shouldn't shit on her. She's trying to help. She's been trying to write uh, a paragraph for me for three weeks now. 
So what's happening is she's trying to describe my bone condition in, uh, so that she can write out to her natural doctors and her herbal people, hey, can anybody recommend what we should do for this guy? Which is like a lovely sentiment. But it's just I run into her every day. And then we have to have a conversation about how she's still trying to write that paragraph. And I'm like, yeah, just don't write it. Fuck it. Just let it go, man. You don't need to do this. You don't need that on your plate. Clearly, it's too much. Just remove it from your plate. But she wants to do it. So we have to keep talking about it. And uh, she's a she's an odd old bird. Apparently, she's been listening at our door. So I, we found this out because another neighbor... Uh, who doesn't like her very much. Uh, this is a younger girl, uh, younger lady. Sorry, kids. Hashtag me too. Can't call people girls these days, even though I call people guys. Guys and girls. No, it's got to be ladies. So this uh, lady, but see, that throws out all context. When I say girl, you pictured a younger person. You didn't picture a six-year-old girl. You pictured a younger woman. But when I say lady, now I got to say this young lady. That just sounds wrong. What am I? What am I? Fucking queen of England? This young lady was knocking on our door, writing out our old neighbor. No, she says, so this, this fucking girl, she's about 25. All right. She knocks on the door and uh, she's like, hey, I just want you to know that that old bat across the hallway she's been just puts her ear up to your door to listen so i don't know if you guys have private information you don't want to be shared but this old lady is uh, real nosy and i said to her to the young woman i said uh, yeah we expected that and we did guys i was raised in a roman catholic town of 6000 Everybody might as well have had their ear to your door. You were gossiped about everywhere. You were listened to under all circumstances. Everyone in my town was as nosy as fuck. That is just how it goes. So when I see an old lady, that's the first thing I think, is she is listening to my conversations without my permission. I honestly think that. That's what they do. And the thing is, I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt, too, because I think she listens to hear if we're in there, and then she'll knock on the door and bother us. And this is the one time I can talk freely about someone on the podcast, because a lot of times I talk about people on the podcast who are people I'm friends with or acquaintances with, and then there's always the possibility that they'll tune in. This 95-year-old lady... We'll never have a concept of what a podcast is. And if she does, and she's listening to this, good for you, Evelyn. Holy fuck, you've surprised me yet again. Okay? You can have it. You can listen to what I really think about you if you have figured out how to download this podcast and put it into your old 95-year-old ears. I like her. And I'm not just saying this because now I'm worried she's actually listening. And she's shown some real moxie. 
strutting around at 95. It's just, you know, sometimes it's a pain in the ass because you, tr- you got to get away from old people. Sometimes they're just going to talk to you. They're like, hey, I got nothing to do but kill time until I'm dead. So I assume the same with you. Let's just chat it up about that paragraph I'm trying to write. I'm like, yeah, Evelyn. But some of us, some of us got stuff to do. I still have bowel movements and I got to take me one. Okay? Jesus Christ. Did I get to all of the things I wanted to say today? I think this podcast might have run long. Did it run long? Oh, you know what? There's a couple of things I didn't get to. But I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah, we're here, man. We're towards the end. There's a couple of things I'll mention. Steve, this is a teaser. Some some podcast listeners are asking about the gym bros. Where are the gym bros updates? I, I have one coming. Steve, the great Canadian athlete, still has his concussion, still has his headaches, still has his Botox in his forehead to try to help his headaches, but uh, he's turned into a real ladies' man. Oh, my God. He's on the Bumble. Guys, he is on the Bumble. And the ladies, when they see the great Canadian athlete and the shape he is in, they're like, "Uh, hello, sir. How are you? So he's got himself a lady friend. He had a couple of dates. Now he's he's got someone. And apparently his sister-in-law loves her. Uh, I don't know if any of them are listening to this podcast. But it sounds like that would be things you would know anyway. So his current, I'm going to say girlfriend. I'm going to call her a girlfriend, even though she may not be his girlfriend yet. Met his family, met his brother and his sister-in-law. They hit it off huge. They want it. They want Steve to keep this lady. And I hope it works out for him. The man's been through a lot, guys. Concussed? Maybe that's all the update that we need on Steve. That was, that was pretty good. I was just going to give you an overview as a teaser. But I think I've pretty much uh, pretty much told you the whole thing about that. And the other thing that I was supposed to tell you about was uh, more house hunting. But you know what? We can save that. We can save that, guys. Still looking for a house? Don't have a house. Still staying here. Staying here, recording in the sub-basement of my apartment building from the Toyota Prius recording studio. So, guys, I'm going to go upstairs. going to have that sweet, sweet barking squirrel beer. I'm going to see if the maniac of our son is finally asleep. So uh, I'll check in with you soon. If I don't talk to you before Easter, happy goddamn Easter. You know what? You probably shouldn't say happy goddamn Easter. It's probably blasphemy. So happy Easter. I hope Jesus shits out all the chocolate that you want. That's it for me. I said shut up. Good night.